0: Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jared. I am the uh, lead pastor here at Encounter. It is my pleasure to say hello to you. If you're listening on the podcast, we want to welcome you as well. Thanks for joining us throughout the week. Um, today is Memorial Day, and it is a day where we celebrate um, all those who have given their lives for us in the service, uh, in the military. Do we have any, uh, any veterans in the building? Can you maybe raise your hands? Anyone who served in the armed forces? Would you guys mind just standing up for us so we can give you guys a hand, please? Yeah. Please go on. Let's stand up. We love you guys. Don't want anyone to feel awkward. Thank you, guys. I know you guys probably get it everywhere you go. Hopefully, I don't know. But um, at Encounter, we want to honor as many people as possible. And, and, uh, and we'll do it again Veterans Day, so get ready because it's coming. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Memorial Day is, uh, there's two of them. Specifically, I always felt awkward, you know. It was like for people, Memorial Day is those who've given their lives and veterans are those who've just served. And I feel like, you know what, whether you've given your life or not, you've given it at least a willingness to do it. And I think that's why we want to honor uh, all of those who have served in our country. So thank you for that. Um, We are um, in our "Teach Us to Pray" series. We're going through the what's is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. It's probably the most famous prayer in all of uh, in all of history, uh, where Jesus actually gave us kind of a model to pray from. We've been dissecting verse by verse each of the principles found inside of it. And so the first week, you know, we talked about uh, it's all about God, and that is the idea was that prayer is actually more about God than it is about us. If we can put the proper perspective of, "Hey, God, you're our Father," you're in heaven and I'm praying to you because you can do something about my problems or what's going on in life, that's the posture of where we want to start prayer. Then the second week, we talked about our will versus God's will, and we pray God's will because he has bigger plans for our life than we could possibly imagine for ourselves. And then last week, we talked about daily bread, and the main idea there was that my needs are not my problem. With the idea that that, that the things that I desperately need on the earth that we try to claw scratch for them, but God tells us that he is our source. So those things are not our problem. It's off of our shoulders. And when we put it again into proper perspective of who God is, we can trust that he will meet those needs. Well, this week we're going to explore a little bit further into the passage into verse 12, which says this, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive those or forgive our debtors. This is all about forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that we've all heard about, but it's something probably many of us struggle with. Forgiveness is a very difficult thing for us to be able to to give and even to receive. I think forgiveness is something that is very misunderstood, but I also think its power has been understated. And I wanted to start today with a quote from a lady named Marianne Williamson about forgiveness. She says this, it should be on the screen. Forgiveness is not always easy. At times, it feels more painful than the wound we suffered to forgive the one that inflicted it. And yet, there is no peace without forgiveness. I thought that was powerful. There is no peace without forgiveness. This week I was driving down Main Street here in Lawrenceville, and there was a car in front of me, and then in front of the car was a gentleman uh, skateboarding sort of down the, down the road on one of those longboards, and he was sort of weaving in, you know, kind of left and right like you do on longboards, uh, down Main Street. If you can imagine, I mean, I, I was terrified. I'm thinking if I, I would have fallen off of, of this board, but this guy clearly knew what he was doing, so he was at the top up at Penn Avenue coming down to Butler Street on uh, Main Street, and he's weaving and then there's a car, and I keep hearing this honking horn, er, 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 and then some guy, I see some, you know, putting his hand out the window with gestures, and, uh, and then the, the other guy, and then, so and then it obviously, it became apparent to me and obvious that the guy on the skateboard now was annoyed by the gentleman in the car, and so he's weaving in and out, and he's looking back at him, giving him the bird, and you know, they're having this little battle with each other as we drive down Main Street. Now, luck would have it, that, or maybe Providence because of today, that uh, I was going to preach about this, that we get to the bottom of the hill, and guess what? It's a red light. So now we're sitting there at the stop sign, at the red light, at the uh, corner of Butler Street and Main Street, and the car in front of me is now rolls his window down and is screaming out the side of his window to the gentleman who is now on the sidewalk going down Butler Street, yelling at him, you jerk, and all sorts of profanities and expletives about how he He was, you know being cut off in the, in, the, in the car. And then this guy on the longboard gets up with his Australian accent, oddly enough. I'm like, what are you doing in America? But he was there and he picked up his board and he's yelling back at him in his Aussie accent. And he's, you know, they're, they're going at it with each other. I mean, the guy in the car, I thought they were going to fight. I thought the guy was going to get out. One guy, this guy over here starts saying, he, he's saying, I, mean, I should come over there and punch you right in the face. I mean, they're getting mad. They're getting angry at each other. And I'm sitting there the entire time going, what is going to happen? Am I going to have to call the cops? That's what I'm thinking. I mean, this guy kept creeping into the street, kind of walking over there like he was going to throw a skateboard or something at the guy, and the guy's yelling. I mean, they were just being insulting to each other. And I thought to myself, what anger, what rage, and bitterness between these two people. The guy was just having fun skateboarding down the road, and this guy was just trying to get where he's trying to go. What turns people? into individuals that would feel so strongly or so frustrated with a moment that they would choose to, to spit such vile comments and anger at people. I mean, there was no listening. There was no consideration. There was certainly no forgiveness. There was only insult. There was only rage. And it could have become violent if I didn't think I'm going to honk my horn. And that's what I did. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen right here. And then someone could die. And then even by the time the cops got here, like it would be over. So I was like, <laughs> and, and then the guy was like, oh, sorry. And it was like, all right. And then drove off and they went their separate ways. And it was as if nothing had ever happened. But what happens in that moment between those two individuals when they left? There was no consideration. There was no listening. There was no forgiveness Now, the gentleman who walked away or skated away on his skateboard and the person in the car, both of them are going away stewing over what just happened to them. And now they will take that exact circumstance into the next scenario that that happens in a vehicle. This is where road rage comes from. This is where, where anger comes from. This is where bitterness takes its root. When you don't deal with something and handle it the right way, anger turns into bitterness. Have you ever experienced anger or frustration towards someone? Think back to a time in your life maybe where where you uh, were hurt by an individual. Maybe someone said something to you or did something to you. Maybe a family member. Maybe it's a, a friend or a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Someone broke your heart or someone betrayed you. Think back to a time when you felt hurt. What about maybe a time where you chose not to forgive or for whatever reason you you didn't forgive someone, even for a short period of time. Rhetorically, I would ask this. How did that make you feel? Did you feel better? Or did things get worse? Here's the thing about forgiveness is that unforgiveness turns into bitterness and rots us from the inside out. And before we know it, we would become the angry driver rolling down our window, screaming at someone outside. Have you ever found yourself in a situation like that? That maybe, maybe you were in one relationship could be a romantic, could be otherwise, maybe a friendship. I know that people deal with all the time with hurts and pains that they've never fully dealt with, and then, and then because they never dealt with it, even though the relationship with this person has been severed or it's been separated, you begin a new relationship with another individual, romantic or otherwise, and you carry with you the things from your past relationships into this one, and then you begin to have fights that are really not about that, but about the things that you couldn't let go of in the past. You see, bitterness rots us from the inside, and that's what unforgiveness does. And so I look at this verse 12 of the, of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus says, he's, he tells us to pray to God for our forgiveness, but then says, as I forgive those who have sinned against me, those who are, are my debtors. And so again, Jesus chooses to highlight, as he always does, an area of importance, and he chooses to illustrate the importance of understanding forgiveness in life, both for ourselves, but also for those around us. And it's so much more. Here's the thing about forgiveness. I want you to make sure you understand. Forgiveness is so much more than a ticket to heaven, I think most of us think that if, if I pray to Jesus and begin a relationship with Him, that He will forgive me of my sins, that I now get that punch card clicked off, and I know that I get to go to heaven. And while that is true, forgiveness is so much more than that, because it didn't, Jesus didn't just say, and pray to God, they'll forgive you of your sin. He says, Lord, will you forgive me as I forgive others? So there's this dichotomy there. There's this, there's this linking of these two aspects of my relationship with God, but my, also my relationship with others. And somehow, several times in Scripture, Jesus says, as I forgive you, you should forgive others. Or as you forgive others, I will forgive you. And even in other passages, Jesus says, if you don't forgive, then I will not forgive you. So there is this, and that's a lot of troubling biblical stuff that we can get into at other times. But what we're trying to say here is that Jesus very clearly draws a link between forgiveness, with our Creator, but also between our relationships with other people. He's painting this picture that is so important, and it's so much more than a ticket to heaven. Forgiveness is as much about life on earth as it is in heaven. So let's explore verse 12 a little bit. Matthew six twelve says, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. I looked into the word debt debtors, sometimes says trespasses, others say sins, like you know, different translations of scripture, forgive us our debts. And the debt here is an issue or an idea of something that is wrong, not just wrong, but requires payment, okay? If you owe a debt to a creditor, right, it's something that they gave you that you didn't, that you now owe and you have to pay back. And see, here's the thing, is that in, in scripture, our debt is sin, Sin is not missing the mark. And what this really means is people, I had struggled with this as a kid, trying to understand, well, what is sin? And sin is, is, not miss, is missing the mark that God wants for us. Well, what is that based upon? It's based upon God's desire for how he created us to be. When God created the world, he said, this is the principles of the earth and how I want you to live. This is how I want you to treat other people. This is what your life, if you live this way, then you will live a fruitful and blessed life. You'll have a healthy life. You'll be whole, okay? But our world obviously doesn't live by those standards. And so when we engage in anything that's outside of that, it's what God calls sin, which is, which is not something that he can stand because he is a perfect holy God. And so we now owe God this debt. We are in over our heads. For some of you guys, I hope you're not in this position, but some of you have experienced this kind of debt. Or maybe you know friends who are way upside down on your cars or your mortgages, and you're drowning in debt. Or maybe you know someone who is drowning in debt. That's how we are with sin. We are in a place that there is nothing we can do. There is absolutely no way I can pay off the balance of my sin in my life. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. We need someone who can do this for us? We need forgiveness. That's the idea of the debt, okay? Is that an overwhelming something that is wrong but needs payment. But then there's forgiveness. And the word forgiveness here means to send away or to dismiss. The idea is canceling. The concept of canceling something or wiping it off. And so when we pray, God, will you forgive me for my debt? Will you forgive my sins? What we're saying is I'm throwing myself at your mercy, saying I cannot pay this myself. I can't pay this bill. I can't pay this tab. And there's no amount of washing dishes in the back room that's going to pay this thing off. I need your forgiveness. And when Jesus forgives us, what it means is that he wipes the slate clean. There is no debt any longer. We are completely paid for. It's an incredible thing. We're asking God something that we cannot pay off on our own. So when we say, forgive us our debts, we're saying, would you do the thing that is not possible, but only with you that you would cancel it and not hold it against me any longer? not hold it against me any longer. Even, even the best possible version of this in our world falls short of what God does for us. Bankruptcy, right? Bankruptcy is this somewhat of a worldly equivalent of it, but it's been skewed by our world's mindset. The idea of bankruptcy is I can't pay for something, I'm throwing myself at your mercy to erase my debts, but there is no forgiveness involved. There is, I will remember every day for the next seven years of what I just went through, which will damage me and my ability to move forward. That's what bankruptcy does for people, but not with Jesus. With Jesus, when he forgives us, he says, I'm done with it. I don't hold this against you forever. Forever, it's gone. That's beautiful. That's a wonderful thing. The beauty of salvation that Jesus provides for us is that we don't have to earn it, and we don't have to prove anything. When we choose to follow Jesus, the Bible tells us that God cancels our debts. And Jesus paid what we owe through his death on the cross. That forgiveness brings peace and it begins the healing process. And that's the key for today. If you're taking notes, our big idea is this. Forgiveness heals what hurt destroys. Forgiveness heals what hurt destroys. If you are struggling with hurt in your life, if you're struggling with pain from a relationship in the past or someone who has betrayed you, forgiveness heals the hurts that hurt destroys, the pain that hurt destroys. The same thing goes not just for our spiritual relationships, but for our earthly ones as well. We need the same forgiveness. We need the same peace and healing every day. We need freedom from bitterness and broken relationships. So much so that Jesus definitely draws attention to it by saying, as also we forgive our debtors. You see, Jesus was pointing out here that he cares deeply about everyone and not just us. We all need peace. We all need healing. We all need forgiveness. And he's asking this question, how can I forgive you when you were holding malice in your heart against your brother? I mean, imagine that question. That's kind of the the rephrasing of it. You want me to give something to you that you won't give to someone else. And so whether or not Jesus would give it or not is, is a theological concept that we don't have time to get into today, but the principle of the matter is important. How can I give you something that you will not give to another? And I feel like it's almost like Jesus is saying this, I see your heart. I know you hold unforgiveness in there. Deal with that and then we'll talk. I kind of feel like that's kind of the, the essence of what's happening here. And the sentence of structure of verse 12, when it says, God forgive us our debts as we also forgive those who are in debt to us, it assumes that we've already forgiven them. Because so it, it says, would you forgive me as I have already forgiven others? And throughout Scripture, God instructs us to forgive others. So let's turn to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. We're going to camp out here for just a few minutes as we kind of finish off the message today. Colossians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles turned to it uh, or your tablets, your smartphones, it'll also be on the screen as well. Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, again, here it is, so you must forgive others. Verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So the question then I would ask is, why forgive Why forgive? I mean, we have this picture, right, from this Scripture where Jesus is clearly saying through the Apostle Paul that we should forgive those. And if nothing else, because we have been forgiven, right? But why forgive? There's three things I feel like today I really wanted to kind of hammer on about forgiveness when it teaches us to pray. When we say, God, I need forgiveness in my life or when we need forgiveness of other people, here's some principles that are gonna help us understand it. Why forgive? The first is this, is it's part of who we are. Forgiveness is part of who we are. I mean, look at, look at verse 12 of Colossians 3. What does it say? It says, since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves. You see, we are his people, and by that, if we're going to identify with him, we need to act the way that he does. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, as God's people, forgiveness is a part of who we are. It's in our DNA. Now, it may not be something natural to us as individuals. That would be like melding, that would be like melding your family when you get married into another, okay? But if you're going to come into a family, you need to understand that there are certain aspects of a family life that you have to understand and become a part of. With my family, as the Lanzas, there are certain family traditions. There's just, we have a very strong, tightly knit family. And some people are like, yeah, a lot, like a little bit too much, but that's okay. That's who we are. But, but when, 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 when individuals, you can ask my wife Heather, when she married me, it took her a little bit to get used to the way that some of the things, the longer traditions that have been happening for 20, 30, 40 years, because it goes all the way back, right? And so it's the same way in our faith. If you are not used to forgiving someone, or if you are used to holding grudges against people, if you're not used to, to showing love and tender heart and mercy instead, when you come into God's family, you better get with the picture, because this is what God's family is about. Right, And it's not like smacking you around saying you're not getting it right, but it's like this is how the family operates. And until you get to that place where you say, you know what, I'm going to start learning to do it and doing what God wants because this is his family and it's best. I understand this is what's best. Until you do that, there's going to be friction. And you're always going to feel like you're on the outside. But when you start to, start to participate with the way that the family runs, Then you begin to be integrated further and further into it. This is part of who we are. Why do we forgive? Because we have to live by these new rules. What are those rules? It says it. Tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Why forgive? It's part of who we are. But also because it's our responsibility. Verse 13 says, forgive anyone who offends you. And then it goes on to say, the Lord forgave you, so you should also forgive other people. It even says to make allowances for other people's faults. It was as if God was saying through the Apostle Paul, there are going to be faults, so just make allowances for them. You know, it's like making a budget or making a plan, and sometimes you think, you know, uh, they say plan for the, for the inevitable or plan for the unplanned, right? Sometimes good managers, good leaders, good strategists will put into their plan things that, are, that they cannot foresee, They can't specifically say, well, I know that this is going to happen, so I'm going to have it in place. No, what they're saying is, is we're going to be flexible enough to allow for there to be problems and for us to move forward with them. And this is the same thing that's happening here, is that it is our responsibility to plan to forgive each other. I mean, that's why Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, he said, forgive me, God, as I forgive others. He put it there because he knew we would have to need to forgive others. Maybe even today. Maybe there's someone today in this room who, when you came to church, someone said something to you that rubbed you wrong. Or Maybe you're in a place, even now, where just this week you're thinking back to that one thing. I'm telling you, whenever you talk about forgiveness, immediately it, goes, it pinpoints, and people know exactly the thing that they should be forgiving, or the issue where they're not. Right? I mean, I'm i looking at every one of you, and I can, go, I can just, every single one of you knows at least a place where you had to choose to forgive, or you chose intentionally not to forgive, or you are still in the process of figuring it out. Like, that's just where all of us are. And it's our responsibility to do that. I mean, he said, we have, I have been forgiven by God, so we have to forgive each other, and we have to make room for that. It is our responsibility as God's people to forgive people, to forgive anyone. And so much, so much so, Peter actually asked, the apostle Peter, before he was an apostle, asked Jesus, well, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? And he said, should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus says, no, 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 little Peter, he said, 70 times seven. In other words, don't stop forgiving. Keep it going. He was saying like, no, you say seven. And so Jesus flipped the play on words, right? And made it a pun. That's what he did. He was punny. And, and I was trying to be punny. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus flipped the script on him and said, no, you don't forgive finitely. You will forgive forever because your God in heaven knows no limits or bounds on forgiveness nor should you. And that goes for whatever circumstances. And that's why there are powerful stories that are difficult for us to swallow or understand when we hear things like a Jeffrey Dahmer or a Ted Bundy or some of these some of these horrifying killers or people who've done terrible, terrible things. And we hear stories about how they have found Jesus in prison and how they actually have begun to become, become God's... Um, maybe some of God's instrument within prison to help other people know Jesus. I mean, that's, that's a far cry from where they were, right? A guy like a Ted Bundy, or, or not to say that Charles Manson did, but people, imagine that. Imagine something like, like, a, like a serial killer, someone who's vile, finding Jesus and being forgiven, and then leading other people to Jesus. And that sounds so far-fetched, but imagine who the, the Apostle Paul was. He was a killer of Christians. He was a murderer he would go from town to town to town. This is all in the Bible. He would go from town to town hunting down Christians. He was a Jewish leader hunting down Christians until one day he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus and his life was changed. And he even says, that he says, I am the chiefest of sinners. The chiefest. Meaning, meaning he's like, like, I don't deserve any of this, but God has given him grace. And so imagine Jesus telling Paul the same thing that he told Peter. How many times should I forgive? He says, don't stop forgiving. It is our responsibility to forgive people. It is our responsibility. So why forgive? Because it's part of who we are. It's part of God's family. Because it's our responsibility. But also, and I think a very strong piece to this is because love brings reconciliation. Verse 14 of that same passage says this, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. See, here's the thing. Love brings reconciliation. God is interested in fixing broken things. That's what he does. That's his, probably one of his best attributes, is that he loves us so much that he refuses to let us stay where we are. He's always trying to, to bring people into our path to heal us. He's always trying to teach us something new to help us know that there's more for us. When there is a brokenness or a schism in a relationship, he doesn't he is not content to allow it to sit. He wants it to be healed so that people can be whole because that's how he designed us. He has a broken heart when he sees families who are broken, when he sees children who are fatherless, when he sees women being trafficked in, you know, in other countries or places. He is broken when he sees people who are suffering with addictions and whether it be gambling or, or whether it be alcohol or drugs. He is broken hearted when he sees broken things. And he's always seeking to heal it. And so he sends his love. The most important thing is the love of our souls. So he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to love the world. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not die but have everlasting life. So our soul can be healed because of the love of our father. But also, He then wants to live inside of us. He wants to take that that love and let it bleed out from us so that we can show that same love that reconciles. In your marriage relationship, if you're fighting with your wife and you're struggling with bitterness or with your husband and you're fighting and you're struggling with bitterness, choose to love instead of holding on to that. If your children or maybe a co-worker or a friend or or something happened in your past and you're still holding it even though they're long gone... You have got to choose love. And love covers over a multitude of sins, the Bible tells us. Love brings reconciliation. When we allow love to rule in our relationships, it brings together instead of separating. Love through forgiveness tears down walls that divide us. And the same forgiveness that is offered to each of us through Jesus Christ is expected to be shared to those around us. I found this uh, this other quote. I thought it'd be cool to bookend the message with these with this quote. It's by a guy named I'm trying not to butcher his name Reinhold Niebuhr. And he says this, "Forgiveness is the final form of love." Forgiveness is the final form of love. I would choose I would challenge you with this today. This is our challenge for the day. I would challenge you to choose forgiveness instead of bitterness. Uh, At my last church, Lifestone Church, Pastor Jack Thomas teached a message about something similar, and he said this. He said, bitterness is a town along the highway of life that people stop at and never leave. And I think that's, that's true and it's powerful. If you choose unforgiveness, what you're really choosing is bitterness. That thing will grow inside of you. It will take root and it will begin to affect every other area of your life. I think about those two gentlemen at the corner of Butler Street and Main Street and as I mentioned in the beginning of this message. They didn't start there. I got a picture from the guy who was on the skateboard that he gets it a lot. And he was lashing out in frustration because he always seems to get this from someone. And I got the image of my mind of, or the impression from the gentleman in the car that he has stopped at the town of bitterness too because he was so frustrated over something that he kept saying things like, guys like you always, right? Stuck in this place. If you find yourself feeling things like you always, you never, You say things like that, I'm always, I never, I can't ever seem to, I always seem, we can't seem to, whatever it might be. If you're using words like that, you probably have been stuck in a place of bitterness for too long. You haven't allowed yourself to be healed and to move forward. It's one thing to learn lessons in life. It's it's important to understand where you've come from. It's important to look back and see, to give a history for yourself and to be able to move forward and create a plan you should never stay you should never stay there we need to choose forgiveness instead of bitterness and here's some action steps that I would choose That as we move into our response moment I would love for you to consider these as we move forward the first is to examine your heart everyone maybe just close your eyes with me for a moment examine your heart that's actually a phrase that's used in scripture, it says examine your heart it's like put a searchlight Imagine that your heart is a dark room and you're you're just turning on a floodlight and you're crawling around the floor under the tables and under the bed. If you've ever been looking for something in a room, you know what I'm talking about. You're searching. Examine your heart today for unforgiveness. Examine your heart for bitterness. Examine your heart for A need to be forgiven yourself or a need to receive forgiveness or to forgive yourself for something that you've done, you've always held on to. Examine your heart. Identify it. And then I would encourage you to recognize your need for forgiveness from both God and from others. A lot of us feel like that I only need forgiveness for God and it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks of me. And there is some truth to that because I serve to please God alone. But we are tied to each other. We are connected to each other, and we do need forgiveness from other people. Some people, we have hurt them. Some people, we have wronged. We owe a debt to them, and that we owe, and then we have to pay for it. We need forgiveness. Identify that. Also, find the courage to ask for it and then to give it. It takes courage to ask for forgiveness. God, would you forgive me? Maybe somebody today, if if you would, would you? Would you just, under your breath, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just pray to God and I would pray that you would make this your own. This is the beginning of a relationship with Jesus. God in heaven, I'm, I owe you a debt. I, I can't pay it. It's beyond my control. Will you forgive it? Will you clear it? Will you eliminate it? Will you cancel my debt, my sin, and forgive me? Help me to follow you. I choose to follow you. It takes courage to do that, but maybe you've recognized today that there's someone that you need to ask forgiveness from. Maybe a sister or a brother or a mom or a dad or a best friend or a child. Maybe it's a child. That could be a hard thing to do as a parent. I've had to ask my son to forgive me for yelling at him sometimes if I've lost my temper. But it teaches. When you ask for forgiveness from someone, It shows humility, it shows a willingness that you are not arrogant. It it heals, it soothes. Who can you ask forgiveness from? Who can you forgive? An important piece to this is offering forgiveness before God. Even if the person that you forgive, or even if the person you ask for forgiveness from doesn't and chooses not to, your heart is right. If you do it before God, He honors it. He'll honor it. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home, or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.